Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds on KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochulillo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo, and before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my program, who are executive producers Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Hoodoo Cleansing and Protection Magic, Damien Keller, binaural production engineer, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested <laughs> in becoming a contributor to this podcast, just go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find the information there. And now, without any further ado, our guest for today is Leslie Mitchell Clark. Thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you, Gary, for having me. And and I have to agree, it isn't aliens, it's worse. It's us. <laughs> That's like the best thing I've heard, I think, in a decade. You know, that and and it and it kind of really cuts right to the chase about a lot of the things that we're gonna be, you know, getting into tonight with regard to the um uh experiencer phenomena. I I, I kind of I I I know that, you know, abduction, alien abduction, this is a phrase that is is most commonly used, but for me, it has an extremely negative connotation because believe it or not, Gary, I think about 90% of the individu- individuals that I work with, and I've been doing this for a very long time, are having primarily positive experiences. And uh, the negative experiences that I hear about are usually connected to some type of uh, secret space program situation. So we have no trouble being terrible to each other. Uh, I, I, I really, there's no reason to be paranoid about any evolved beings coming into our zone because, I mean, we're like a bunch of three-year-olds wielding laser guns. You know, <laughs> I, I really think. It's <laughs> uh, interesting. So, I mean, um, so you think that most of the aliens that that, that are take, um, abducting people, well, not abducting, more most of the people that are having experiences um, are having positive experiences, and that's also, I mean, I've heard that from a lot of other people. Um, uh-huh. You know, I, you know, and I've heard a lot of different explanations for the negative ones mm-hmm. um it's, it's really interesting um so one um if aliens are doing this and is having a positive effect on people what is the purpose behind it is it, is it to heal people advance people extension um knowledge Telepathy. I, think, I, I think all of the above, Gary. And I think, um, and first of all, I think it's important to remember that uh, when, we're, when we're speaking of extraterrestrial beings, you know, many people have an image in their mind of a gray, little gray dude. And indeed, there are many 
types of grays. I think some of them are not even fully physical. They're more like robotic uh, space travel beings that mm -hmm. do, you know, a lot of things for for whoever is uh, controlling them. But the um, there are so many different species. Our, our own here in Canada, there's a very highly recognized politician named Paul Hellyer. He was our vice premier. He was the secretary of defense. And um, he has said that, you know, the Canadian government is dealing with uh, fully diplomatically at least 83 different species. And, and Certainly, I mean, certainly in Canada and the U.S. are, pardon the expression, in bed together in <laughs> all of this. In all of this, we've always been aligned. And um, uh, so what I would say is just it's important to remember that there are a wide variety of beings. And I actually believe, and this is not just my own, you know, musing at, at home while I'm watching Coronation Street. No, no. <laughs> These are. This is based on, you know, information that I have gathered from experiencers, you know, for many, many years of doing this. I really believe that there is a kind of um, United Federation of Planets. I really do. And, and I think that like that Gene Roddenberry United Federation of Planets where warp drive was the key of is the civilization ready to communicate? Do they have warp drive? Um, I, I think it's more complex than that, but I think that the idea is in fact sound. I think that we have to evolve to a certain level with regards to our care of the earth and our care of each other. I am not really sure it's, it's about, at this point, scientific evolution, because we've been given a lot of stuff. We have engineered, a, reverse engineered a lot of stuff since the Roswell crash, since the deal with Truman. So, uh, you know, I'm what we're looking at now, um, what I'm seeing now, I should say, is I'm seeing a lot of very, what I would call high-end communication where the people that I work with, especially if they're past midlife, uh, their experiences are more, their experiences are more like um, uh, remote viewing or astral projection than they are like physical abductions. It seems that these more physical experiences being taken, you know, floated out of your room, these things seem to occur in, in, early life much more commonly and there seems to be a point where that kind of physicalization is not really necessary and the people that are working with ETs can simply bilocate and they're working together with beings a wide variety of beings on apparently upgrading or uh, the vibration of our of our species so that we don't blow ourselves up or, 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 or kill the planet or kill each other. Wow. So, I mean, I, I, I do agree that, that I believe that the aliens are not, you know, or at least a lot of them, are here for, for the better of mankind. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned about, I, I think Canada is a little bit more upfront, though, about you know, UFOs well, and know. stuff like that compared to like what happened here in America. Like there was oh, supposed to be a, a disclosure and, oh. and it just came out to be a bunch of lies. and What a speak. joke. What an insulting, insulting 
insulting uh, experience. And, and I'm, I'm actually, you know, I have dual sense. I was born in New York City. I grew up in New York. So mm-hmm. I'm really an American emotionally. And, and we have been lied to and lied to and lied to and lied to since, since just after the war. And um, while all of these things were put in place, relationships with different species, reverse engineering of different stuff, and even probably most horribly, um, some of the terrible experiments that were done uh, uh, with our attempt to be telepathic or create uh, super soldiers who could, um, you know, bilocate and commit murder and do terrible things. I mean, we, we really got into some, there was really some deep if I, if I may say this, deep shit yeah. in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Just, in, in fact, you know, Gary, the the people that I'm working with, the individuals, and this is these are both men and women, but the individuals that I'm working with who are involved in this secret space program or what we call 20 and back, um, they have a very particular type of post-traumatic stress disorder. And... It is just so bloody wrong that not only did they serve their country, but they served their world. And their contribution, you know, has been, is, is attempted, there's an attempt to erase their contribution. And yet these poor individuals maintain, you know, horrible uh, memories, invasive thoughts. I mean, everything that you would expect to see in PTSD from anybody who's in battle, but it's even it's even more intense because of the nature of the things they've seen and the fact that there there's been some time space manipulation as well mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely uh, very traumatic traumatizing very um, traumatizing and i think that these i think that these early these i don't want to call them cosmonauts but these members of the earth defense force and the lunar defense force and ev- all of these individuals that were involved in the secret space program should be treated as veterans as respected veterans and and that's not what has happened right well they haven't even acknowledged that this program exists <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, but I mean, when you can't, and you know, Gary, I, I well, uh, you probably know, maybe you don't know, I'm, um, I've been working with MUFON for many years. I'm a member of the uh, Kathleen Martin's Experiencer Research Project. And so what that means is is, uh, within Canada and also the eastern seaboard of the U.S. to a certain extent, anyone that wants regressive hypnosis to explore um, what they've been through, whether it's partly consciously remembered things or whether it's a sighting if someone comes through MUFON and makes a report and they and MUFON feels that regression would be helpful then I'm the one that does that work so that's a lot of experiencers uh over the past say dozen years that's so funny um, funny because I've just I just finished reading Kathleen's book about um with all the questionnaires and stuff for for for, uh experiencers and yes and, and how to you know help experiencers deal with their what has happened to them awesome book and i i've been you know part of a part of all that research just a handful of us work in this area because it's so controversial but um you know i'm i'm uh i'm very uh, respectful and honored 
by Kathleen Martin, including me in her in her project, because I, I, I just have the ultimate respect for her. I've known her a very long time, and she's a wonderful, brilliant, um, um, and also fascinating lady. Yeah. yeah, I have her coming back on in a couple of weeks. She's great. Fantastic. Fantastic. <clears throat> Definitely. Um, to me, too, is it, it seems like, like, like there was, what's the disclosure thing that happened? Um, one of the things that really opened my eyes to some things, though, this last month was seeing, um, what UFO investigators were like, oh, yeah, there's something to this. There's something to this. And other ones, you're know, like, like me and you, were kind of like, this is, this is just a bunch of lies. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I wonder now, like, about some of these people that I thought were trying to, you know, fight for some type of disclosure. It seems like I there know. were more... They're more about disinformation than anything else. I mean, yeah. And that part has been very disappointing, I think. It's just, it's so hard. I mean, Rene Elizondo, I, I think, is one of these guys who's a purveyor of misinformation or, 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 or trying to divert our attention. You know, I, I mean, he just, I, I don't, that's just my feeling about that. But I couldn't agree, I could not agree with you more about how uh, heart, disheartening this is that, that we are still being lied to, still being lied to about the simplest stuff. And, um, and it's a huge underestimation of the global peoples. This, this is one of the things that I just want to put out there. I, I don't believe that if we had, um, let's say, if we had that landing on the White House lawn or, or whatever, that that media event that, mm-hmm. that would just be incontrovertible, if we had that, I think people are completely ready to accept that there are other civilizations that we may or may not be genetically related to in the universe, in many universes, in the multiverse, interdimensional beings. I don't think that's too much for people now. I think people are greatly, have been greatly um, underestimated by our government. And I mean, really, Gary, you know, even, even the Pope has said, you know, discovery of other civilizations and and beings is in no way contradictory to the idea that we all have a supreme being or a creative spirit or whatever so there's no conflict there and um i for one think that there have been attempts uh, uh, similar to what we would talk about as far as landing on the White House lawn. I mean, the White House was buzzed, oh, for yeah. goodness sake. And um, yeah, it, it, I mean, they've done whatever they can do within their kind of hands-off mandate. Again, we're talking about primarily beings who don't want to interfere with our with our growth. I think they're ready to help if we ask for it. And the problem was, the problem as it always is, is um, fear and economics. Uh, I mean, as the story goes, there was a, um, and I'm sure you've probably had people much far more expert 
to myself talk about this character, but there was a, a Pleiadian gentleman who went by the name of Valiant Thor, mm-hmm. who uh, visited uh, the United States and even lived here and tried for about three years to uh, change the mind of the powers that be that fossil fuels were not going to get us anywhere, that they were wrong. I mean, we are a stubborn people, you know, a stubborn people. And I think that we have resisted benevolent help time and time and time again. So the way things are going now is through people just like yourself, Gary. This is a disclosure is a grassroots revolution and you and i and kathy martin we are midwives of disclosure right we're bringing it in we <laughs> are bringing it in in our way you know the the world is in a kind of a labor it's in labor pains mm-hmm. you know there is conflict everywhere and um and the answer to this is an evolution of our own selves and right. and really a, an acknowledgement of the planet that we are bloody destroying i mean this is i think maybe it's it's at the point where we may have become a toxic pariah in -hmm. our corner of the universe who knows what our kind of pollution does who knows about all these microwaves i mean we really don't right i mean we're Mm -hmm. primitives uh so um we got to clean up our own backyard we have to clean up our own backyard and that means also our intention and our commitment to love our fellow man. I mean, the same messages that we have been hearing since the dawn of time. And it shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> I mean, it shouldn't why, be why, that why hard. It, why? Why? I don't. I never really understand. Like, why do people find it so difficult to just love each other? Like, well, it, I, it, I think that uh, <laughs> in the in, in the United States, you know, that it, it's. I, you know, I've traveled a lot throughout the world and, you know, the, I have to say the United States is probably one of the most challenging places with regards to this type of inability to accept each other. Now, granted, it's a huge country, huge, uh, but in my in my way of thinking, and I mean no disrespect here, I think that in some ways there has never been a healing of the American Civil War. And I'm not saying blame here, blame there. I'm saying a true healing because at the at the at the collapse of the American South, the North, you know, exploited that and and was punitive. And, you know, this is probably a very unpopular thing that I'm saying right now, but both parties are culpable. Mm-hmm. And I I think some of what we're seeing now, especially with that element um, of the United States that is now delusional, that is that is that is put a maniac in a godlike position and and believes the big lie. This is very disturbing, and this is the kind of thing that is not going to get us accepted into the United <laughs> Federation of Planets if we can't even if we can't even get it together amongst ourselves. You know, and I get you know it's 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 extremely frustrating, but. Uh, you know, person by person, this is this kind of movement that you are perpetuating and mm-hmm. all like minded people like yourselves and myself, this we, we have to be patient 
and that and and that's hard and it's hard when you're being lied to by your government as we just ex as we just experienced yeah and what you're saying is absolutely true i totally agree because i'm originally from new jersey and now i live down here in alabama oh my god and i'm from i was from hackensack i'm from princeton Oh my God! I, oh wow! What a coincidence! And, it, and and neither of us have retained our accent, but <laughs> it's very. That's a good thing, probably. <laughs> anyway, so you're down. You you relocated to yeah. the American South. Did you find that there was a a bit of a culture shock oh, for you? Major or? still, just still yeah. is. It's completely completely different. Um, I don't know. Like, there's a different culture, and a, a di the way people relate to each other is different too. Yeah, it is. So, so it yeah. is. Well, you know, this is a America is a United States of America is a huge country, and I think one of the things that maybe we have together a, a little bit better in Canada is celebrating each other's cultures mm -hmm. it's uh you know there's always been a mandate to, like i i'm i'm the child, but let's see my i'm only second generation so you know i'm my my ancestors were irish americans and the thing was always be american be american be american be american uh so that meant in some cases people not uh, continuing or, or preserving their cultures once they arrived on these shores. Uh, certainly not everyone, but a percentage of people, like many of my friends, many of my friends from New York, you know, New Jersey, uh, who are Italian Americans, they don't, they don't really speak proper Italian because the parents just said, um, we're speaking English at home. This is my grandfather. My grandfather would not teach his kids how to speak Italian. Yeah. There you have it. Mm -hmm. And so I, nothing like that has happened in Canada. So I can go to Little Italy and I can meet a woman who has never learned to speak English, who's been living there since 1917. You know, so it's more like we have now, of course, we have neighborhoods in New York, but it's still pretty mixed up and heterogeneous. But here, you know, no one is fearful. It's just... Um, it's like a it's like a great smorgasbord you know, that we have in Canada without prejudice or fear, yeah. which is a beautiful thing. And uh, I think so. We've gotten that a little bit more together <laughs> than uh, than the U.S. at this point. I would move to Canada if it wasn't so cold. Well, you're probably, you know, I got to tell you, Toronto is no colder than New Jersey. Really? It has summer? No, it's just, you know, where we are, we're like, you know, we're right, we're, we're on Lake Erie, mm -hmm. we're right ac across from Buffalo. And now Buffalo gets far worse snow. Those poor people up in yeah. Buffalo and Rochester, they're always inundated. We don't get that. We're just, we're really a lot like just what you would experience in, in New Jersey. So it's no different for me from what I grew up in. Uh. Yeah. And Vancouver, if you ever go there, that's quite beautiful and, and west coast it's it's just just it's like you know it's like seattle there's no real winter that we would nothing that happens that we would identify as winter <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I mean i think if something bad happened here i would probably go to mexico yeah yeah, yeah. well there's an awful lot of activity in mexico as as everyone knows some of the most dramatic 
um, UFO footage and also some of the dramatic USO footage, you know, mm-hmm. submersible craft going to the ocean. Um, Mexico is just like alive. And I think myself personally, being kind of a ancient astronaut theorist, I think that the relationship with ETs and, uh, um, and the Mexican people goes back again to the dawn of time yeah. before the Maya, before the Aztecs, before uh, the Toltecs. The Toltecs are the first civilization that they really are aware of but i think there was stuff going on before that and there is also some school of thought that believes that the tip of atlantis the tip the most um western tip is actually in what we would call uh, the bermuda triangle and the the most northern part of the former atlantic continent uh, touches probably ireland mm-hmm. that's there. So, you know, these are these are areas of great antiquity, and they and they certainly have a lot of action going on. Uh, have you ever interviewed uh, Jaime? Oh gosh, what is his last name? He's like he's like one of the foremost journalists in Mexico, and he's always active with things that are going on. And I think and I think he also had something to do with the discovery of that Atacama alien, you know, that small mm-hmm. body. Um, and I'm still not sure about the definitive DNA results of that small creature. Uh, the initial ones said, oh, it's a, a human being. But how could we possibly believe that? Wow. No, I haven't interviewed him. That's a good idea. I'll try to get him on. Oh, he's great. He speaks English really well, too. You wouldn't have to worry about that. Jaime Musan. Jaime Musan. It's interesting because I also agree with you about the whole Atlantis thing. I think that, you know, I'm not exactly like I do believe like like the Bimini Road part mm-hmm. was probably part of it. I think mm-hmm. some of it may have stretched into like the Gulf of Mexico. Yes. And, um, and I think when it sunk, uh, the people, some of the survivors stayed here in North America, mm-hmm. in South America. Some yes. probably went to Egypt. Mm-hmm. And I think some went to Africa. And the reason I think that is because of some of the um, um, archaeological finds. Like the Eye of Africa looks a lot yes. like the description of Atlantis. There's a place not, not far from where I'm at in Louisiana called mm-hmm. Poverty Point. Also looks very similar. To, Indeed. And uh, and then there's the you know the, the hinges, you know the hinges are almost yeah, like a yes. stone model yes. of it. Yes. So, Indeed. So, so there's no. Uh, it, it's almost like the, these structures, um, were put there to as a reminder, something like something to awaken our memory. I believe that too. They are they are communicating and you know speaking as a, as a hypnotist. There these these images are in the archetype to use a very Jungian kind of way of expressing it. But I completely believe that the more discoveries uh, that we discover, which are primarily in stone because that's what lasts, and they knew that, um, the the more of our subconscious mind is opened up and triggered uh, to in fact, you know be receptive to all this material. I mean, the great Edgar Cayce, I, by the way, I agree completely with you when you're talking about the uh, the structure of the Atlantean Empire mm-hmm. and, of course, the 12 ships. You know, the, they had time to get out. This, the Atlant- the, 
the great crisis of Atlantis did not happen overnight. And as, as in the writings of Plato, which of course he got from Herodotus and before that, um, there, there was a gradual uh, sinking of the Atlantean continent and eventually it was separated into three islands. And then at that point, there was a cataclysm. So many, many people had a chance to emigrate into other parts of the world. And we find evidence of the Atlantean culture everywhere. Uh, Egypt, as you said, in fact, um, Edgar Cayce, the sleeping prophet, yeah. uh, remember that he, in his many, many writings about Atlantis, he said that the records of Atlantis are preserved underneath the Sphinx. Now, for a long time, people laughed at that. Well, there's nothing under the Sphinx. Well, guess what? There are there are tunnels, there are labyrinths, there are rooms that extend all over the plain of Giza and attach all of the um, uh, the three major pyramids are all connected by underground passages and also huge rooms, this, that, and the other. And they know this not only from um, exhibitions that were shut down, there was a famous exhibition in 1917 that was completely shut down because they discovered a passage in the underneath the Sphinx. And that was like, whoa, you know, so that was shut down. And uh, every time the Egyptian government gets pissed off and that little dictator, um, uh, Dr. Zawas, every time he gets his knickers in a knot, everything gets shut down. But with the use of LIDAR, mm -hmm. so this is new, new technology, yeah. with the use of LIDAR, we now understand that there is an elaborate complex that it, and the sphinx is of course far older than this it, it has nothing to do with Kefri. it is way older 60,000 years probably old <laughs> uh so you know and um you know the wonderful uh, is it is it Graham, dr robert shock all of these experts have determined how old the sphinx is so we're talking about deep antiquity we're talking about antediluvian mm -hmm antiquity now what sunk atlantis um again according to edgar casey i mean he maintained in his readings and his material that uh the atlanteans like our like i'm going to include us when i say americans like ourselves we're uh kind of trying to run everything and we were very you know we were if not warlike we were into colonization and you know, you could say we were like the British Empire, if that's more comfortable. It doesn't matter. We were, you know, they were into that kind of stuff. And as Edgar Casey said, the Atlanteans were trying to send a kind of a beam right through the earth because they wanted to uh, colonize or control China. As these are some out concepts, but this is just Edgar Casey. And in doing that, that was the big explosion that it wasn't really uh meteors or you know anything of that nature that it's simply they blew themselves up literally and figuratively they blew themselves up now some now edgar casey also uh, surmised that uh, one of the reasons that we have distortions of space-time in the Bermuda Triangle and other places too, but in the Bermuda Triangle, is that the great crystal of Atlantis is actually buried down there deep below the ocean yeah. floor. And when certain um, astrological, astronomical 
uh, conditions come into play, then that crystal is activated and it can act as a transporter device. Apparently the great crystal was also used for guiding in spacecraft. So that's, and that's just any, any of your listeners can, there's a wonderful, it's a tiny little book. It's just called Edgar Casey on Atlantis, but it contains all, uh, many of his primary channelings about uh, that civilization where he was a, a, a prominent priest called Rata, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I have a guest on regularly. His name is uh, uh, J.M. Deboard or Jason mm-hmm. Deboard, and mm-hmm. and he's super not like he's like probably the most knowledgeable person I've talked to on Casey, and yeah, and he's told me all about that. And oh wow! So does he? Um, does he? concur with that does he feel that that's that's probable Mm -hmm. i mean it certainly would be um uh, quite a quite an explanation because there's no doubt that something that involves space-time is going on in the bermuda triangle and and it hasn't stopped since i mean columbus um did not Christopher Columbus report bizarre phenomena in the bermuda triangle orbs and all kinds of energy balls that he saw. Yes, that's true. In in his voyages, he had experiences of his own in the Bermuda Triangle. Mm-hmm. And I've also interviewed Michael Cremo, and he would probably also agree with that. Oh, I adore Michael Cremo. He is, in my mind, Michael Cremo is an unmitigated genius. Absolutely. He is a genius. Not only is he a extremely evolved soul, uh, I mean, he's a um, a very a highly disciplined yogi. He's studied for years in his own spiritual development. But uh, you know, I I I've met him, had the privilege to meet him several times. And uh, any if you can get any of his books, mm-hmm. uh, they're uh, they're all uh, fascinating. I think he's tapped into some kind of. I think he's tapped in directly, like with an AC cord, into the Akashic records. I think he's got a tap. He's got a big uh, cable going from his brain <laughs> to the Akashic records. That's that's the only explanation I have. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. He's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. He is. And just so fat and, and so like, like humble, you know, he sits there like, uh, I don't know, like the Dalai Lama and he just comes forth with, with the most, and, and it's kind of, um, you know, Michael Cremo and so many of these wonderful, uh, Graham Hancock and so many, uh, Len Caston, so many wonderful, wonderful, uh, authors and, and, uh, researchers we have today. He just, Michael Cremo just, he doesn't say, you know, this is what it is. You better believe me. It's like the opposite of dogmatic. Mm-hmm. He simply presents information that has really been culled from his deep research. Yeah, yeah, and, and even his like his his work is so in depth. It's incredible. Yeah, I know, I know. He doesn't leave a stone unturned. That's for sure. No. He does not. He absolutely does not. And he's so, you know, as a person, he's so open and accepting. And I don't know, I guess I have a little bit of a crush on him, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so 
don't tell my husband. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. He's harmless. <laughs> <laughs> but but I do. I mean, I, I get. I think it's it's just his brain. I love Michael Cremo's brain. That's for sure. Yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, he actually helps um, my friend who wrote the book. Uh, it's not aliens. It's worse. It's us. Like him and Jared. Oh, are really? Close. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> That's the best title I have ever heard. I swear. Yeah. Best. And and you know because I I love the idea of taking responsibility, because yes, um, you know terrible things have happened to our world, and but we have it within our power. Every soul, we have it within our power to feed every baby on this world and to stop domestic violence and to stop racism and exclusionism of any kind. We have it within our power to do that. We just have to agree on it. And there is the rub. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's no, well, there, there's a, a reason, I think, for, for all, for, for the way things are. And, um, you know, and this sort of goes back to our original topic about um, the experience your experiencers and why they're, the aliens are doing what they're doing. Um, and, and I think the game changer is like, like, I think humans have a lot more abilities than they want us to know, like telepathy. Oh, yes. Like, if we, oh, if we yes. started using telepathy, which obviously we have because that's how we communicate with the extraterrestrials. Yes. So we obviously have telepathy. Right away, that changes everything because we're able to look into inside each other's heads or, or souls even mm -hmm. and, and realize that there is no difference. Exactly. And we can absolutely do this. Right. We are set up for it. We have sacred dna we can do this now you know i and you know a lot of times gary people will ask me um you know like why me why am i having these experiences why am i being taken why did these things happen when i was a kid blah 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 well as far as i i can tell the big commonality here is that many many extraterrestrials different races prefer to engage with um, humanoids who have telepathic ability mm -hmm. this and and doesn't it make sense i mean if you were from a, a sophisticated race where you didn't need to send emails you didn't need to use a computer you simply could telepathic at the speed of thought send stuff wouldn't you be more comfortable dealing with beings that could do that now that doesn't mean that that sophisticated beings can't talk because almost all of them do and can but it, it's almost like everything that we do on the phone or on the computer uh, is something that they do at the speed of thought and in a very big way so I kind of prefer to think of our technology especially the interweb as training wheels <laughs> I think that this is a kind of technology that ultimately is is getting us used to the idea of the speed of thought. But, you know, back to the former thing I was talking about, certain certain groups of ETs follow people um, generationally. 
Yes. You know, you and and they seem to be very very interested in telepathic ability because I will tell you most of the experiencers that I work with don't just have experiences with extraterrestrial beings. They are seeing, you know, they're seeing orbs, they're having visits from uh, deceased people. They're, I, I mean, they're, they're just sensitives. And so all of this, um, all of this interdimensional stuff is happening to them all the time. And that, and that's what seems to be going on with most of the individuals who have been selected either genetically or for their abilities by beings that want to work with us and help us upgrade ourselves out of this, you know, this primordial sludge that we're mucking about mm -hmm. in. Absolutely. One of the things that, um, you know, after doing this podcast for a while, after, whenever I interview an experiencer, one of the questions I will always ask is, um, after your, their encounter, if they had increased psychic ability. And mm. one, well, usually their answer is, well, I had it beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> and now, yeah. now I have, you know, or maybe I'm more, more aware of it afterwards. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, you know, very often, you know, what, when, when I'm regressing people to their experiences and, you know, I will, I will always say, well, what, you know, what is he saying to you or what are they saying to you? Well, they're speaking to me in my mind. So the, the telepathic communication is just a huge part of all of this that is going on uh, and especially with what I would call evolved beings or beings are cousins. For instance, uh, if we if we accept the work of Zachariah Sitchin, yeah. if we accept the idea that the Anunnaki in an attempt to repair their atmosphere came to earth looking for gold and then because it was so difficult to get labor over they began this process this sort of um um uh, oh god what is that movie about the island of the island of dr moreau they mm -hmm. sort of began this kind of process of of upgrading the existing uh neanderthal uh beings and other um other types of bipedal beings that were around at the time. And I guess there was actually quite a variety. We've been taught to believe that we've been taught incorrectly <laughs> that there was just Neanderthals and then all of a sudden Cro-Magnon man, but there were many, many little varieties of all kinds of bipedal beings yeah. at one time. And as Zachariah Sitchin wrote in his translations, you know, Anki, one of the sons of Anu who had come here to uh, hopefully handle this labor and this gold problem, he studied various groups of uh, Miocene apes or Neanderthals, and he selected a specific group of beings that he felt had the most compassion. He observed them for compassion. And so that was their ground zero. But, uh, you know, it took a very long time to finally uh, create the Adama, uh, a, a humanoid who was a combination of the Anunnaki. It took the addition of Anunnaki DNA to make a being that could procreate according to the work of Sitchin. Right. So if, if we are to simply accept that, uh, we are the hybrids. Mm -hmm. We are the aliens. We are imbued with 
beautiful, fantastic, amazing DNA, which I believe is just starting to turn on. I don't think there is anything uh, such as junk DNA, which uh, mainstream science would have us believe. Nature doesn't do things like that, even in, in the sense of, of creating a being that is a hybrid being. Yeah. We, we are able to use all of our stuff and we are just waking up. And this is a big part of, of what is happening now during our, you know, our, our time, our generation. We are seeing people wake up like mm -hmm. crazy. How else could you explain the massive proliferation of not only, you know, shows like yours, but also just on the mainstream corporate broadcasting is loaded with shows that are exploring uh, not only um, not only extra not only paranormal stuff but extraterrestrial stuff. So we we're we're waking up. We are in the process of waking up. I believe that. I do too. I, I think all these possibilities that we're talking about. I, I think there's there's substance in all of them. Um, another one that I think about sometimes is um, about humans. Um, the fact that we're bipedal and we're kind of tall. Mm -hmm. um, all, all, most, all, most of all the other species on this planet that I've, you know, we know that have evolved here are on four legs and are usually smaller. Yes. Because of the gravity of our planet. You know, yes. that, that's the yes. ideal design for the amount of gravity we have on this planet. So for yes. us to be bipedal makes me think that we came from a planet that had less mass and less gravity. Absolutely. Possibly Mars. Abs Absolutely. Well, I have no doubt that, that well, there is. I mean, we can, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Randy Kramer, uh, Captain Randy Kramer. He's mm -hmm. a very close friend of mine. And, uh, um, you know, he does have a book coming out, which is going to be mind blowing. But there are indigenous species to Mars. And Mars was also used as a way station by the Anunnaki who were, who were shipping gold back to planet Nibiru. So, so it has had humanoid life on it and at one time had a full atmosphere. So we don't really know the complete history of Mars, but I, I believe that there, there may be even uh, a humanoid indigenous life there. I know there are reptilian forms there, but, you know, who knows? It had an atmosphere. It was very, very similar to Earth at one time. And um, I know that um, all kinds of similar looking beings have engaged with us, the Pleiadians, the Lyrans, the Yael, the... Um, uh, um, Arcturians, uh, there are many, many, and as you say, I think the pattern or, or the, that's the wrong word, like the cookie cutter shape <laughs> for, <laughs> for, for beings that can live and experience and work on a planet at a certain level is bipedal. So, uh, so I think that the beings that we engage with are primarily from that thing. And, and also, you know, as a, as a person who works in past life regression, uh, I, I also believe that we are in the same soul group with a number of different species and therefore we can incarnate on different planets. And the reason that I think this is yeah. just from the information that I get when people are telling me about who they see and what they see when they are in between lives, when they're in the interlife. And apparently it is uh, 
completely uh, commonplace in the interlife in that zone that we're in that that high vibrational realm when we leave our physical bodies before we go into perhaps another physical body but there are beings that we are in soul group our soul group with that um that are from many different planets i have had um, as in doing past life regressions it's not even that unusual for me to regress someone to a lifetime and some, and they'll say oh you know we have two sons you know i mean two planetary sons and then begin to tell me about what the planet looks like and what they look like so mm-hmm. i know that our souls are our souls are part of everything uh, I believe I do too. Uh, it's it's all connected, and, and and I think consciousness plays a huge role in it. I I think, um, you know, I've been sort of researching like a lot of the CE five stuff, and I believe there's definitely something to that also. Like we're we're, we're connected to them consciously through our consciousness, and that's why people have these astral encounters with all yes. these different beings. Because that, yes. because like that's like an easier place for us to meet. Indeed, and and um, and some beings, Gary, some beings project themselves sort of holographically. Hmm. I think the way that beings from diverse places get together, as you said, it's a lot simpler if you can just project your consciousness and manifest some sort of presence. Uh, because this is the way that beings from far locations engage. This is how it's done. Not everybody gets in a tin can and tries to slip through a wormhole. Right. You know, I, I, I think a lot of what we are seeing is, is as you said so succinctly, all about consciousness. Right. It's all about that. Yeah. And also, um, with consciousness, I mean, one, you say, like, well, if, if nobody's going to get here because nothing can go faster than the speed of light. Well, consciousness probably can. And speed also, of thought. And, yeah. and, and, and it also can bilocate, too. Yes. So, so if we, if, if these extraterrestrials have found a way to integrate the con- their consciousness with maybe some type of organic technology, mm-hmm. anything is possible. Well, I think that is what they do a, a lot of the time. Now, I've I've heard you know a number of reports from experiencers about uh, flying craft or observing the piloting of ET craft, and it does seem to have a a, a kind of an interface so that. Um, uh, well, for instance, uh, let me just talk. I, I'm uh, another another secret space program individual who uh, is has been a huge source of information to me. Uh, told me that the craft that he was taught to fly on required was 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 ET craft, and re- it required two pilots. So there was an interface between a pilot and a co-pilot and the craft itself and so everything was done really through putting your hand into a recessed space and then simply thinking everything if that makes sense yeah that definitely makes sense why would he be using buttons 
yeah, why? You know, why would they using, I mean, we're only a two-step away from nanotechnology ourselves, even in the recognized uh, scientific world. We're only a step away from that. So that's that's really what we're talking about. Again, as you said, everything is about consciousness. I believe that many, um, many vehicles, many, many uh, spacecraft are controlled by consciousness and nothing is faster than the speed of thought and the speed of thought can apparently transcend universes and dimensions yeah um with the so some of the people that you've uh, regressed that have been involved in a secret space program have yeah. any of them talked about stargates absolutely they exist are they, they are they a natural phenomenon or there's something that we have to create ourselves? Some are and some have been created and and some species can create them as they need them. So the this type of technology, this type of <clears throat> oh excuse me, Einstein Rosenberg Bridge, this type of technology exists and has been utilized by many, many, many uh species. Now I think that some of the um, some of the stargates are so ancient that even the ETs themselves have no idea how ancient they are. Not unlike you know what happened in contact with Jodie Foster at mm-hmm. the end of the picture. She says, "Who built these?" And the ET who's pretending to be her father says, "We don't know." Yeah. So I, I think that there are there are some established wormholes that have been constructed by ancient beings. There are also synthetic wormholes, but it is a technology that is that is used, you know, all the time. Hmm. And, and it's, so, if the if the government already knows that these um, stargates exist, why are they even wasting time with rockets? It's a huge fake space program does and it and it's terribly hurtful to to those that spend their lives toiling away at technology that is in fact passe uh it's all a smoke and mirrors game uh, you know if the people are concentrated on a little their little rocket going up or even the space station or whatever they're not going to think about these bigger concepts meanwhile every time we send somebody up there or space station guys up there they see shit happening mm-hmm. so it, it's you know this is all counterproductive there are trillions of dollars missing from the u.s treasury trillions that have been siphoned off to various uh various space programs that that began you know in the in the 1940s and uh, you know this this is a a military industrial complex that was so powerful and so secretive was created, unfortunately, by by Harry Truman and his advisors. Uh, they thought they were doing the right thing. They thought they were they were helping, but what they were doing was um, creating massive secrecy, massive fraud, uh, massive sapping of the resources of the United States. I mean, can you imagine all of this secret money that has been spent on on um, on, well, most of it keeping things secret, 
can you imagine how those resources could have been used to eliminate, say, eliminate poverty, eliminate it? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm sickened, I feel betrayed. And uh, the more I hear about these advanced programs by believable sources, I mean, Randy Kramer has taken three lie detector tests, Gary, mm -hmm. three uh, at Gaia under the under the supervision of, of my friend Sid Goldberg. There's nothing untruthful about what, what he's saying. Wow. So resources, human lives, human psyches have all been sort of sacrificed under the umbrella of global security so i guess so is it kind of like um what uh what was that guy emory smith or everett smith yes yes it, well emory smith emory smith was deeply involved in the sacred secret space program and what it, what did he say he, he said that he had autopsied like thousands yeah. of et bodies or parts of et bodies he's not he's not lying he's i believe everything that he has said i believe he is an incredibly truthful individual and a lot and of it had to do with cloning too oh there well there is cloning well mm -hmm. one of the things that um uh, that randy kramer said and not only randy kramer but uh um uh, jason rice uh, Corey Good, they've all talked about this. When you sign on for a 20 and back, in other words, when you're going into deep space and you're going to uh, become a military operative for the world space program, um, you go with three cloned bodies, three cloned bodies created from your own genome. And the purpose is not to animate these whole bodies. That's, we don't have that. We can't create souls. I mean, we're not doing that. But the idea is that if you have a severe injury, and by severe, I mean your head blown off, they have the technology to access those, those, those clone body parts and reestablish them. Now, they also have the technology, apparently, and again, again, I'm not laying out edicts here. I'm just telling you what I've heard and what I've heard a number of times. Apparently, the technology exists to transfer human consciousness, the soul, if you will, mm -hmm. from one body to another. And um, uh, uh, Randy Kramer had an, had an injury that was traumatic enough for that to have happened, for them to have had to do that. So this is, um, I mean, talk about cutting edge science. This is beyond that. And, and it exists and, and it has existed. We have incredible okay. medical technology. Imagine people suffering from cancer and any number of things with the technology we have, if, if it was made public, the suffering that people are experiencing right people shouldn't have be, to be waiting years for a kidney or a no, heart no we've been lied to we've been hustled it's been a hustle truman didn't intend for it to be a hustle that is not what he thought he thought oh my god we you know we are our 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 coal and our 
steel and our oil industry, if those collapse, the, the economy of the world collapses. That's what he was thinking about. Hmm. What about the private industries? Like, um, like that guy Branson who just went into space, oh, and wow. then in a couple of weeks, um, who's it? Um, Elon Jeff, Musk, Jeff Bezos, Jeff supposed Bezos. To go into, oh Bezos yeah, supposed to go. And then you have, yeah. um, you have we have Bigelow. Well, Bigelow are, 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 are is an these, interesting figure. Are, are these people all sort of just a part of the military-industrial complex, or are they actually really separate? I think they could easily be part of disinformation. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get to a certain financial point, they're going to want you in the club. Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world right now. Yeah. He is the richest man in the world. So, you know, who knows what kind of information has been shared with him by the powers that be or with Elon Musk or with, um, uh, you know, Richard Branson, who knows, but they're just dicking around with flying around in the atmosphere. You know, that's just, that's like go-karts. I mean, that's just bullshit. I think Yeah. I'm not even acknowledging it. I just find it to be insulting bullshit when the technology already has existed for years and years. And I mean, you know, when Randy Kramer and other guys, when they got to a lunar base, you know, and they, and they went to their poll, went to their, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess went to the place where they were going to live, their base, as it were. It was, it looked like the 1950s. I mean, they didn't, it didn't even look like they had any kind of special technology. He <laughs> said it was, it was, an, it was anachronistic. You know, you would think here I am in Mars, you know, everything's going to be glass and see-through and blah, blah, blah. No, it just looked like a, it looked like a Quonset hut in Virginia. It was, it was, it, it had, it, it had not been upgraded, <laughs> but that also says that look how long, look how long this has been going on. Look how long this stuff has been here from the United States point of view. Well, that certainly goes right along with uh, what John Lear would say about some of the bases on the moon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. John Lear is a fascinating guy, a very mysterious guy. And um, uh, has he, what do you think of, what do you think of John Lear? Do you find him credible or what do you think? I haven't talked to him in about twenty years. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so I knew him like a long time ago when, mm-hmm. uh, like, like when Jim Mars was still around mm-hmm. and. Oh, Jim Mars, bless his heart. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he had so many creepy theories, but bless his he heart. He was great. He was a nice guy. He was a sweetheart of yeah. a man. But, um, you know, with, with John, I think he's very difficult for me to read. In fact, yeah. for me. He's impossible for me to read Mm. Um, because (coughs) I think some of what he's saying is true, you know, Um, probably more of it now. I think when I first 20 years ago, I was first talking to him, uh, you know, I I believe some of it, but I didn't believe all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it's hard to tell. It's real hard to tell. And he, and he, and he has a, an interesting temperament too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I know he's kind of yeah. It, it's uh, some of these 
wheeler these wheelers and dealers and that are close to that have lots of money and you know i i i still am very curious about you know what's going on out there at skinwalker ranch now that place is just a hotbed of you name it it's going on Mm -hmm. and the people that that apparently are in the know are still saying that there's an underground base right there and and yet you know the the things that they keep discovering uh what a what a unique place in the world but also very scary yeah but it's not the only one you know i mean yeah. i mean obviously there's portals and things like that there um but i had um tom dongo on in mm-hmm. from from uh and he researched uh bradshaw ranch yes and, yes and all sorts of of portals and things coming out Really, really interesting, and it sounds to me it just sounds like it's just a natural thing caused by ley lines. Well, absolutely, I think a lot of this phenomena is completely natural and in keeping with just the geophysical structure of the Earth and space time. And um, now, what is the what is the ranch that's more out west? It's not Skinwalker, but it's another very, very noted uh, ranch for sightings. And um, oh, my brain! I know. My I mean, brain. Mine too. My I can't brain. remember it all. <laughs> can't remember. But anyway, it's got a, it's it's near Mount Hood, Oregon, and uh, uh, I know that people have seen incredible stuff going on out there. But I I will I will remember before we stop talking. Probably I'll, I'll scream it in the middle of the. <laughs> In the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, they, they definitely exist. That, that's for sure. But I, I do think there's probably more at Skinwalker than just the portal. Um, oh, yeah. They, they, I mean, they have picked up strange energy emanations and they've had you know linda moulton howe bless her heart she's done an awful lot of work out there on a subject i find very tough you know the cattle mutilations i don't really understand any of that i don't know who's doing that i i i blame the i blame our secret space program i don't think aliens would have anything to do with that but that's just me but uh there's that going on um oh boy there's um there's just so much and there's even uh, there's even energy that they found you know, like coming out of a, a fixed place out of the sky and down into the property yeah, as so if weird, there was a, right? a, a beam as if there was there was maybe some i don't know craft or or you know, who knows what you know out of our out of our purview that is actually sending energy down to the Skinwalker Ranch. So I don't know what to think about that. That is weird. It's like a power source almost. Yeah. Going from some... between something going, going from that ranch to somewhere in space. Yes. Uh, some kind of uh, some kind of earth sky uh, connection or uh, as the uh, it's kind of funny. What did they call it in, in Sitchin's translation? The bond earth sky. Is what they call it, because of course in the pyramids, the pyramids were just energy stations, and they had a big beam coming out of the top, which was for communication. So that's uh, that's interesting, isn't it? It is. Maybe it's like a space elevator. 
why not? Why not? You know, obviously there is a lot of access. If anybody wants to come in, they can come in. You know, if, you know that's that's the kind of stuff that's going on there. But uh, I I wonder, uh, I wonder what how what the involvement of the uh, of the government is as, as and when I say the world governments, I mean Randy Kramer says that there is there is not a organized government. Uh, in the world that does not have an element in the secret space program. Wow. So we're not just talking about us. We're talking about Italy, France, Australia, Africa, Asia. I mean, you name it. We're talking about a global, uh, a global thing that has been going on, that has been kept secret and uh, is, has taken the resources of every country without the members of the country agreeing to that. So, so does that mean that there's probably one real one government between all behind all of them? Is that does that I, point to an Illuminati? Well, you know, I, I I hate to get into that because that just you know that's I feel that that's a lot, a lot of paranoid talk. You know, I I I'm not sure that I accept that there is a human. Illuminati in that way um, have the, are there manipulative ETs that want to put certain people in power maybe so are there uh, do we in our on our earth do we also have elemental beings that are totally um, members of of the Terran world that are also infiltrating um, high levels of government. Anything is really possible, but I think the thing that is so sad is that all of these governments are not really adequately serving the people. Hmm. Well, that's definitely for sure, because yeah. we shouldn't be where we are now. No, we need to be better. And, um, but so many people want to be better. I feel there's a breath of fresh air and, and that we are with, with so much awakening, you know, Gary, with all of this, you know, the people that are listening to your podcast, the people that are listening to all the podcasts out there, the vibration is, is lifting. And I think you can really actually feel it. I think the vibration is lifting. I've, if I had to say, I'd say 53% of the people, the humanoids on the earth are awake. So I think we have a slight edge. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, maybe that's why, you know, like, like lately, you know, in politics, in the news, they've been using, using that word woke. And I was like, what, oh, are, they, what yeah. are they talking about? You know, like, yeah, why are they using yeah. that word? I know because it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, yes, it's meant to say I've become aware. I'm not going to say racist things. I'm not a sexist. Right. I've woken up, but, but I think it's, it's bigger than that. How, you know, when you're, when you're really awakened, but of course, as you say, here's that term going into the global consciousness through media. Mm -hmm. And there it is. And, you know, we, we, of course, who deal in, you know, esoteric matters have always talked about waking up. Yeah. You know, that's something that's been, and, and now it's filtered down 
into into a term that the generalized populace is using, which is very interesting. It's weird. It, yeah. it, it kind of it, it caught me off guard that they were using that word. Because mm-hmm. I mean, they're using it in a different context than than what we would use it in. Yes. But 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 it's just a, a strange choice of words. Yes. More training wheels. More preparation for enlightenment. More getting these humanoid beings gradually accepting of the fact that thought informs matter. Matter does not inform thought. We are creators in our own body. We are manifesting, you know, everything around us. That's the nature of matter. Mm -hmm. But that's a big concept, especially for individuals who have accepted a very, shall we say, narrow uh, spiritual outlook. Yes. So why do you think there's a group of people that don't want people to wake up? that are hiding the truth. Do you think it's just simply greed and manipulation? Greed, greed, follow the money. It's the greed, man. The 3% of the population that has most of the wealth are human beings. It's greed. Now, we, we probably have inherited the desire to accumulate wealth, competition, some of these funky things we have probably inherited as a race genetically directly from the Anunnaki because they were a wreck. They were fighting each other. Brothers hated each other. They were involved in incestuous relationships. They were a mess. They were, they were hugely technically <laughs> beyond us, but in their genome are some of these things and, and, you know, it's like in the Ten Commandments. These are the things we have to fight within ourselves. But the greed thing, avarice and greed, is, I believe, the, the venal sin, the real thing that is the motivation for the secrecy, for the fear, for the all of it is motivated ultimately by greed. I mean, what do you think is going on in the in and and I, and I was raised Catholic, so please don't mm, think too. I'm taking a shot here. But I mean, what do you think is going on there at the Vatican? I mean, first of all, you've got Jesuits who have been obsessed with astrology since the 15th century. You have the top scientists in the world are um, are priests. That's <laughs> true, and and then you have. And then you have what is so horrible to believe. You have this horrific uh, abuse of children, which is which has gone to the highest levels. And for me personally, as and I still consider myself a Catholic, but for me personally, that's why I've had to move away from the organized church mm-hmm. because of of these matters. You have uh, at the Vatican. You you are. In insane wealth, you're wielding and controlling the belief systems of three quarters of the world still, you know, that that church of lies has to come down, man. It has to come down. They, they were the, the, the papal, the, the institution of the Catholic church 
is no more a part of the message of Jesus than what's going on with the suppression in Iran and the Ayatollahs as part of Islam. These are peaceful religions that have been twisted and again, greed and power, greed and power. And I even think that it's very, very probable that that the Vatican has known about the ET presence for, for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, why would St. Uh, why would oh, St. Francis, why would, <laughs> why would the Pope make a speech recently where he said, uh, you know, any other civilization that we may discover uh, is okay because mm-hmm. it's still part of creation. Why would he say that now? And um, there was a, there was a, a thing that got suppressed in the news, but I did read about it in the in an Italian newspaper um, not too long ago. They were doing some renovations and some excavations in one of the oldest parts of the uh, of the papal of the papal apartments, or that you know one of the oldest parts of the situation there, and they discovered um, a number of extremely odd skeletons that had enlarged heads and tiny bodies. Oh, wow. And this was immediately covered up. I mean, I, I read about it. I saw it online. I talked to a friend of mine. It was definitely there. And then it was gone. Hmm. So I have really no doubt that the Vatican has been in collusion with some groups of ETs, again, for the purpose of control and greed. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm certain that they're aware. I've been also reading um, Jim Willis's most recent book, God Uncensored, and he talks a lot about the 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 books that were removed from the Bible, like the Book of Enoch, the Book of Thomas, and um, it's just like an alternate version of Genesis called the Book of Jubilee. Oh yeah, the Jubilee. Release, yes, absolutely. And and how they all sort of point to some type of extraterrestrial. Well, there was a lot of editing going on with the, uh, you know, in the early Christian church. I mean, the Council of Nicaea was just kind of a mess with a lot of people yelling at each other. And But the reality is that, you know, one day, you know, Jesus was a man, a prophet, a good man, but a man. And then the next day, uh, he was elevated to the son of God, which he never said. He was the son of man. It's like Muhammad yeah. never said, I'm the son of God, or Buddha never said, I'm the son of God. The son of man, he said. But so it was a combination of the pagan sensibilities and also uh, where they wanted the church to go. So, of course, the, the, the book of Mary Magdalene is thrown out. She was the wife of Jesus. Yep. She was supposed to lead the church, and and all of that was suppressed. So that's out. As you said, the Book of Enoch, um, and many many other interesting and apocryphal books of the Bible were simply censored, thrown out, destroyed, rewritten, edited. You name it, it happened. <laughs> uh, even the even the first even the first in the beginning. The gods created heaven and earth. It mm-hmm. was a plural. It was a plural. Even the first line was edited. Yeah. So, you know, there you go. And that's, we're dealing with a bunch of funky old men 
crusty old dudes who want to hold on to power and they want to hold on to all the money. But it's like, it's like somebody knew it was going to happen, though. So they, so they, they hid scrolls in caves oh, and, yeah. and in Ethiopia and, oh, and all yeah. over the place for, for us to find, like, you know, I know 2,000 years later. You're so right. It's as if they they had enough apocryphal knowledge or whatever that they knew that at this point in time, uh, and, and e there may have been, there may very well have been an ET presence involved with that. The ETs are all through the Bible. They're not, pardon me for saying this, they're not angels. I do believe that there is an angelic realm, but I think most of the time we are talking about ETs. Right. When they talk about the two angels who came who came to warn Lot, um, how did he know they were angels? He doesn't say they were. They, he, mm -hmm. There's no wings. How did he know they were ETs? They were beings that were engaging with the local peeps all over the place, all over the Middle East, and probably all over the world. Wow! Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and. and you know, I really would like to know what is under the Sphinx in Egypt. I like, know. I, I just wonder, like, what's there. I you know? Like, know. I've heard stories that, like, like you know, that, that there's, like, all the knowledge and all the histories yeah. of the universe is there contained yep. within crystals. Um, I believe that all, I think the knowledge of the great library of Alexandria was only a pale comparison of what we're going to find if we're ever allowed to get in there. And, but they know that there are huge chambers, Gary, they know there are huge, it's not just little, uh, you know, pathways and tunnels, there are huge, huge chambers there that would really indicate the storage you know, of, of, of something. Uh, somebody created that. And it certainly wasn't the old King, kingdom Egyptians because they knew nothing about it. Hmm. So, you know, we'll, I, I think that uh, we're just going to have to hopefully wait until uh, Dr. Zawas cacks or until they throw him in jail again. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to see. But you can bet our friend Graham Hancock will be out there with a visor. He'll be out there, you know, uh, first on the site. And Dr. Robert Schock, he'll be out there too. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I think we are, as you say, I think certain things have been time dated. And this is kind of funny because, you know, what I often say when I'm talking about working with experiencers, I don't believe memory can be suppressed forever. I don't accept it. I don't believe it. I think memories can be time dated. Uh, to when they will be available. And I also think that there are some memory blocks, blocks that are insufficient that can be worked through and eliminated and blown up. And I've done it. So I don't believe that the human memory, unless there's some organic injury, you know, that's a whole other situation. I don't believe that the human memory can be suppressed. I don't. And I think that's one thing that, you know, some of the ETs, particularly the ones that were conducted early genetic experiences in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, and 80s, I, I, I think that they, they believed that they were blocking out the memory of incidents, but they completely underestimated our, our eternal nature and also our curiosity and the way that our subconscious works and the way that our brain works. They didn't have a complete understanding. So uh, I don't believe memory 
can be suppressed, more and more people truly are waking up every day. Right. And, and that's why like, like that's why I kind of goes back to my whole Atlantis thing. Like I think all these structures were there to help activate our memory when it was ready to come back. I agree. You know. I agree. There are things that we are seeing that are coming back to us and just wait till what we're about to find. There will be a time when we get in there and we find those that ancient library and we really understand who we are and we really understand that we are one. Right. You know, this is the, you know, we have an illusion of separatism, which is what seems to cause a lot of the problems on on planet earth we have an mm -hmm. illusion of separatism because we have certain variances in our appearance because we have various influences like so what we are all one and uh until it until that can be accepted that seems to be a, the thing that is accepted by the sophisticated races and that's why they still you know have hope for us because they see us as part of them as well that's awesome. That is awesome. Um, do you think that they're actually one? If we ask them for help, do you think they would help us? Like at that point, if we're asking for help, they're not necessarily intervening. Exactly. Well, they have offered help before that was refused from the very beginning. So I have no doubt that if there was a if if there was a sort of a consensus and and a way that we could communicate either as a group or express our desires um i have no doubt that we would be helped because many of these beings we i mean we really have to think of them as our cousins we really have to think of them as as members of our family that we have been separated from because we have very strong genetic relationships with many, many beings that are interacting with us right now. And I think if we ask for the help from our family, which is what it is, I think that it will happen. And, and maybe it even is happening on a subtle level with all of the people that are doing so many amazing things to help the environment. Yes, we still have to fight the loggers and what's going on in, in, um, uh, in the rainforest, but perhaps we are being helped. Mm -hmm. We are being helped in the best way. Uh, you know, as a, as a parent, maybe it's a little bit like there has to be a time when you have to stop doing it all for your child. Yeah. You, you have to let them learn to put on their pants, feed themselves. I mean, these are things that, and it's not always easy. And especially when they get to be teenagers and they're like suffering and so much stuff is effed and you want to jump in and sort everything out, but you just can't. It's not good the, the 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 most loving thing that you can do for your child sometimes is let them figure out the answer themselves and that is a very tough lesson as a parent it has been the toughest le lesson that i have ever had to learn about not interfering and trying to fix things and manage things and blah blah, blah and just stepping back i really feel 
that that's kind of what we are experiencing with our with our ET friends that are, you know, monitoring us. I, I think they are they are trying to walk that line between um, increasing our childishness and giving us a tool that will help take us to the next level. Do do you think? Um... So, like, we have all that going on Earth, you know, but people that are already sort of like us who are, you know, willing to accept this as a reality, do you think that they would be, that the ETs would be like, okay, well, we can take some of these humans off planet and put them somewhere else where they can evolve even more without having to deal with all the other stuff that's going on here, all the other growing pains. Well, I think this is a lesson. I, I think this is like the cruel school. You know, I, I think this is, I think this is a place where we come to learn in the toughest ways. And, and that again would probably have more to do with my ideas about reincarnation and multiple lifetimes. But uh, I know that when we assume physical form, uh, we do it to have, certain types of physical experiences that are learning experiences. And I have heard Earth referred to um, in various communications, uh, you know, that I've been privileged to hear. I've heard Earth referred to as the grand experiment. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that it is because this is a, this is, this is a unique place where many, we are carrying DNA from many races, I believe. Uh, we, are, we are here uh, in a state of where we are about to become aware and join the community. So it's kind of an exciting time, I guess. Uh, you know, like being on Earth in 1916 before the Wright brothers flew. Right. You know, this is, an, this is an exciting time. And, and I know that many, many people have incarnated here. And I'm talking about beings also that usually would incarnate maybe on in the Pleiades or someplace else. But they've incarnated here to be part of this, this thing that we are doing right now so uh, without becoming you know frustrated or impatient i try to remember that we are all here by our own choice to work on this next phase of human development which will god willing lead to enlightenment and intergalactic and interdimensional um uh, travel and contact with a variety of beings. Do you think that's something that we'll see in our lifetime? I do. I do, Gary. I do. I do. Because first of all, I think we're going to live to be much older than we probably imagine at this point. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I do. I think we probably will all exceed a hundred years easily. Um, and uh, and who knows, maybe more. And things are moving so fast right now, so fast. Uh, I'm 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 just really excited to see what the next the next step is. But I know that it's going to come from the experiencers, from the people are ha who are having firsthand contact with evolved beings. I know that's that's going to be 
where it happens, how it happens. I agree. I I, I totally agree. I know it's not going to. It's certainly not going to come from the government or the scientific community. That's <laughs> for sure. Or, or, or absolutely or, not. Or, 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 or uh, anybody who's uh, studying human history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? You know, I mean, you know, human beings, their minds are so close. You know, many, many um, people would be shocked to know that there is evidence that the ancient Minoans and the, and uh, reached, um, and the Phoenicians explored North America all the way up to Michigan more than 3,000 years ago. And there's evidence of it. Is that like the, um, what are the... The Magellan people, or well, that was way before Magellan and any not, of those not Magellan. It's, it's, a, it's a race of people that are living in Appalachians, and they're, oh. and they were there when the earliest explorers came to America, but when they test their DNA, it comes up like they're Turkish. Oh wow! You know that reminds that reminds me also. There are several pockets of that reminds me also of the. Um, Oh God, the uh, the people that live, the Basque people who live between Spain and France, they have an unrelated language that is more Sanskrit than anything else. And they have very odd blood and 90% of them have O negative blood. So there are little pockets of ancient civilization yeah. <laughs> probably all over the world. Little pockets where where beings, uh, people came farther than we had ever imagined and, and settled. And somebody took something like uh, uh, 300,000 kilos of copper out of, uh, uh, out of Michigan. Somebody, oh, yeah. somebody did. Was it the native peoples? We don't know. I kind of think it was the ancient Phoenicians because they were they were dealers in metal, and that was one of their big things. They were expert uh, dealers, and they were the first uh, culture in known history to operate with like wooden boats. I mean, wooden hulled boats that could actually hold substantial cargo. So, you know, we have a hard time even, we, we, we don't even understand our own history. We have global amnesia. We don't understand that there were giants in the earth, that all of these middens across the United States and the Midwest contain, contained at one time the skeletons of massive human beings, mm -hmm. you know, and the Smithsonian, the Smithsonian Institution grabbed as many of these skeletons as they could and burned them. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so, the Smithsonian thing too is also interesting. This is actually something I'm planning a trip to look into. Is oh. supposedly they they retrieved a um a an Egyptian treasure hidden in the Grand Canyon. Yes, yes. And, and actually, me and and Jared, the guy who wrote "It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us," yes. <laughs> are, are are planning actually to go out there and, and try to find that cave. Well, you know, it is. I have heard of this, read of this from a number of sources. A number of sources uh, found uh, there were apparently two brothers, two Egyptian princes, who were here on an ex excavate exhibition. Oh, exhibition. <laughs> they were here, not an exhibition, but they were here exploring and um, and became ill and they both died and they were interred in a cave in the Grand Canyon. And those Egyptian artifacts absolutely come from the Grand Canyon. 
So that's something that I have heard from a number of sources about that particular site yes. and the accuracy of it. So I wish you guys luck. That yeah. would be amazing. I'm sure you're going to find some very cool stuff. If we can get in there. Apparently, somebody else, this is very recent, like a couple, about a month ago, uh, somebody else went looking for it and tried to fly a drone down oh. to look into the cave. Uh-huh, yeah. And they shot it down. <gasps> oh, well, see, anything that interferes with the timeline... <laughs> Anything that interferes with the accepted timeline is like a big problem. And this again, here we go back again to what's going on in Egypt with, with Dr. Hawass and that whole thing. Now, as you probably read, uh, there was a big uh, DNA study where they took the DNA from most of the major pharaohs, you know, uh, um, uh, Ramses the Great and Ramses the First, and Seti, and all the major pharaohs' remains that they had. They did a big DNA study. And what do you think they found out, Gary? They found out that the ancient pharaohs of Egypt, although all related to each other, were European and not Egyptian. Hmm. And they that blew their little nationalist minds just blew the craniums right out of those, those all of the Egyptologists that are in charge of all this stuff in, in, in Egypt. <laughs> they absolutely cannot handle it because these are the guys that are, that are still saying, right, that, you know, 2,000 Egyptians in loincloths were pushing bricks, you know, huge, you know, oh, God. They still believe that in a, in a unreasonable and, and ridiculous kind of scenario where the Egyptians through sheer physical labor built the pyramids. Yeah. Uh, no. It didn't happen that way. We all know it didn't happen that no, way. They were no. called the artificial mountains. They were there. Uh, they were there thousands of years mm -hmm. before, before the flood. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, but, but that's that's but through our science, can you imagine? Well, not only are all the mummies European, but they were absolutely full of uh, cocaine and tobacco, uh, two things that only come from South America. So that implies that in the in the height in the golden era of the Egyptian kingdoms, that there was open trade somehow between South America and Egypt. Well, that explains why, why there's pyramids in both areas too. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, this, is all, this is all unified. And, you know, when you really get into also, uh, we talked about Atlantis a bit, but mm -hmm. when you talk about uh, Lemuria, which was uh, a Pacific uh, culture, um, what you're talking about is, you know, the Hawaiian Islands and Samoa and all of these Pacific Islands are the are what's left of the great Lemurian uh, continent, which which touched um, Santa Barbara, that, uh, California. That was that was the end of it. Even the islands of Catalina were part of Lemuria and the Lemurian people. Apparently, I, I I think that their situation also was a gradual sinking of the continent because what Edgar Cayce said was that the people of India, you know, the way they look, they are really the, the true uh, Lemurians. They are related. They got there. The people in the Indus Valley arrived there and were somehow uh, 
part of the Lemurian community or, mm. or, or, or group of islands. But they also, also Edgar Casey said that Lemuria was not a one race nation, that it was a more of a union of a number of different places in the in the Pacific. So there's much to learn, man. We are we're just here where it's popping. The technology's popping. We got LIDAR, we got drones, um, we got microwave popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The, the, those, pe- <laughs> those, those, those people that I was talking about with the DNA, Melugians, yeah. that's what they're called. Melugians. M-E-L-U-N-G-E-O-N-S. Wow. And they were founded in like the Appalachia, but they weren't native to this continent. And they were here well, that, way before any explorers. Well, I am not surprised by that at all. If we if they have that in Europe with the Basque people and several other groups of people, why why wouldn't we have that here? Why couldn't we have some type of culture that survived the Ice Age that was here before that? Yeah. It's entirely possible. Why not? Yeah, that's. I'm gonna look that up. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because because you know like a lot of people, or the theory like I always heard is that there was a land bridge, and and Mongolians crossed it, and, yes. and, and adapted into, you know, the um, the first nation. Well, I think that there. I think that there certainly is that aspect, especially if you're talking about, for instance you know the Inuit people mm-hmm. who are so you know Asiatic looking but I think that the Native American ancestry is more complex than that yeah I, do I think too. they are I think they are more ancient and it is more complex than that I I don't think that all of the Native peoples came across the Bering Straits I think that there were there were people already here and are they Atlanteans there's a lot of that thought that the first, I, I that think the so. First, yeah, the first people were Atlanteans. That that is that is you know some of the thinking. Right. So, <laughs> but whatever it is, it's fascinating. And, and they're and they're keyed in. You know, the um, here here not too far from where I live, a couple of hours away, mm-hmm. is the um, Six Nations Reserve, where uh, the people there who would be mostly uh, you know Cree and Ojibwe. They have regular ceremony for calling in the sky people. And, you know, uh, with maybe you don't know this, but with, with reserves, uh, if they're all a no, uh, a no fly zone. That's mm-hmm. even true in the States. Yeah. Like if there's a Native American reserve, you know, you, there can't be air flight over it. So it's a pretty secure place for ETs to land and engage with the Native peoples, which apparently they do yeah i've heard that even even here where, yeah. where, where oh, yes. they'll, they'll, they'll land in in the native reservations because it's safe for them to do that because it, it's no fly zone i've heard it's that a before. no fly zone years ago i mean i did this is so long ago i went to um i'm you know i'm from new york but i went to the university of minnesota and the university of south dakota and i did my student teaching on the infamous uh, rosebud reservation in south dakota and uh, and and the Lakota Sioux people absolutely uh, have a deep relationship with the Star People, and in fact, 
the Black Hills of South Dakota, which mm -hmm. that's where the Rushmore heads are. You know, that's yeah. a that is really that is sacred Lakota land. It has some very bizarre geography. There's an area called the Needles, which is kind of mind bending. But that area, uh, the Black Hills of South Dakota, has one of the highest um, uh, UFO sightings rates of anywhere in the world. It's it's a veritable hot spot of UFO sightings. Hmm. I didn't know that. I've always, you know, considered, you know, upstate New York is a hot spot, Arizona, Mount Shasta. Mm -hmm. um, down here where I live, Gulf Breeze would be considered a hot spot. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think any place where the Native Americans have ancient culture established seems to be a hot spot. It could be the common denominator, couldn't it? I think it is. And, you know, unfortunately, in the U.S., you have a lot of situations where Native peoples have been moved around. Yeah. You know, they've been marched from here to there. So it's, but, but I believe there are, especially where you are and in Florida, there are really ancient native peoples um, um, establishments there they were removed you know but I think you're you're the part of the country that you're in has a huge history of of Native American um, contact with ETs right yeah they, they say I think somebody claims to have found a pyramid in the Everglades of Florida really yeah, like, wow. like like nobody's excavated it yet. Like you can look, if you Google it, you'll see pictures. Now it looks like it looks like a like a just a very out of place hill. Yeah, you know, but it's really cool. And again, it makes sense. Then it, it makes perfect sense because one is really not that far from you know places like um, Chesson Itza. You know, yes, and, and places like that. And yep. and also it's not far, you know, like you're right there, sort of on a in a Bermuda Triangle area too, in mm -hmm. Bimini Road, That's and right. where Atlantis That's may right. have been. So That's right. It's all there. And you know, anything you know, any kind of culture that's working with the power of three or the pyramid shape, you know, the you know well, when you look at it even even teepees are pyramid shaped mm -hmm. uh, you know i mean uh, you have to wonder about that why they could have built it in any shape they wanted it could have <laughs> been square it could have been you, i mean seriously right yeah. i mean it's but that and um yeah i have um i think that the i think that one of the things that's happening as part of disclosure is the is finally the maybe justice and um, the uh, the rising up again of the native peoples. Now we have a lot of stuff going on here in Canada right now that is so horrifying. I, I hesitate to even tell you about it, but there was an atrocity that occurred in Canada that I don't believe happened in the U.S. But perhaps if your listeners know different, they can let me know because I'm open. I'm not saying I'm the authority, but we had a system of what is called residential schools where and it was a it was a barbaric system run by the catholic church the anglican church and the united church of canada so it was all under the guise of religion so native children were essentially stolen 
from their parents and taken to these residential schools, these boarding schools, where they basically were trying to, to like beat the Indian out of them. Right. I mean, uh, so they were their religion was taken, their language was taken. They were taught to be Catholics, good little Catholics or Anglicans. And there was a tremendous amount of abuse. And now we know a tremendous amount of death because around these residential schools and this just happened, they found on the grounds of one residential school, 221 skeletons of little little people of children that's terrible so so these children died in these residential schools with no records no graves no apologies what happened we don't know but now two more residential schools have been explored like with lidar right and they've mm -hmm. gone in and they founded mass mass graves and of little children in every place so this is what's going on right now in Canada. And this is a wound. This is a discovery. This is a thing that needs to be cauterized. So somehow I feel that the, the vindication of the Native peoples is very much tied to disclosure. And I don't know why I really feel this, but I do. It makes sense. It makes sense to me. Because I, I, I do think that the Native people, especially here in North America, are definitely, you know, the, their religion was was involved with, with, with the star people. Absolutely. And, um, and we did everything we could as Europeans to destroy that. Yes. Yes, so, we did. So, sure. I'm... I mean, I mean, these people aren't even Indians to begin with. That's a mistake. <laughs> Christopher, Christopher Columbus didn't know where the fuck he was, man. He thought I'm in India. You know, I mean, he didn't know what was happening. These people have no more connection to India than I do as an Irish American. Forget about it. Right. So anyway, there you go. So I think what we're going to see, not only are we seeing and maybe all of this is part of disclosure. You know, the, I mean, the Me Too movement, you know, men who've been abusing women sexually, women mm -hmm. who've been abusing men sexually, uh, all of this stuff is, is coming to our consciousness and it is a healing because first you have to get out the infection. You have to find the infection, you have to pour some antiseptic on it and you have to heal it. We can't move ahead, I think, unless we fully heal some of these old wounds, the the horror of slavery, the 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 horror of what happened to the Native American people, uh, for that matter, the horror of the synthetic Irish potato famine, which was merely ethnic cleansing. Mm -hmm. You know, there 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 are genocides and horrible things. The Armenian genocide. There are geno genocides and horrible things that have happened throughout history and until we really look at those things and acknowledge them and accept uh, even a genetic responsibility and pour on that that you know pour on that uh, that antibiotic and get rid of that infection that's I, I almost think that's what our ET friends are really waiting for us to do we have to put on our big boy pants we have to clean up our own goddamn backyard. It's about responsibility. 
we don't have to have any fear. We don't have to be afraid of David Icke's reptilians. <laughs> I re I'm appalled by that. Please, you know, we don't have to be afraid. We have to be afraid of what we as a species are capable of. That's what's fearful. Yeah, <laughs> David, like, he cracks, so, he kills me. Oh, I, God. Because I, I, I remember, like, uh, you know, cause I, I mean, I've been at this for a long time. So I, I, I remember, ah, uh, man, early, early 2000s. Yeah, um, yeah. They, he's putting out these videos oh. of, like, um, Hillary Clinton's eye is oh. changing. God and the, and the and the poor old queen. God, leave the queen alone. She's the leave the poor old queen alone. The woman is four foot nine. Leave her alone. And it's funny because the guy the guy who made those videos, <laughs> he's a he was sort of like a computer hacker guy, and he went by the moniker Ass Clown. <laughs> How does anybody take any of this seriously? <laughs> How can I take what videos a, made by what Ass a Clown? Name. I mean, of all the possible professional names, that's what he picked. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. David Icke and Ass Clown. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That was like well, way before he like really became sort of mainstream. Yeah, I know the idea that he's even, but there are people that are listening to that. You know, fear is the thing, Gary, right? You know, I mean, fear, that's how people get controlled. That's the thing, you know, fear, like, mm -hmm. you know, all the, all the fear that's coming. What was the latest thing from the Trump camp, you know, that the, that the, you know, vaccines were nanobots and we're lining up like we're going to the Elvins and Dachau. I mean, mm -hmm. you know. Fear, 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 fear. I hate it. But, yep. you know, that's, uh, that's the truth very is, basic just, emotion. There's absolutely nothing to be afraid of. Nothing. Nothing. And I can tell you, and I want to tell your listeners to be positive and hopeful. Because what 99.9% .9 of the people who come to me are hearing and what they're doing and what they're experiencing are are things that are hopeful and positive. We just have to worry about the time we have here and and preparing ourselves for a kind of humanity that will be kinder and gentler and and more accepting. And I don't know, as I as a parent, you know, my children are both that way. I, I, I feel I would feel pretty good about leaving the earth knowing that I had that my husband and I had left behind accepting mm -hmm. um, forward thinking people. And I also, as a, as a therapist, of course, I work with a lot of young people and I'm very optimistic about these young people. They're, they don't, they seem to be, they're not materialistic. They're, I don't know. I think, I think we've got a lot of beautiful spirits, a lot of beautiful beings coming into the earth now that are going to help with this transition. And maybe, you know, maybe they'll have to carry the torch after we're gone. I'm not sure. I hope not. But at least I think we can have faith in these beautiful people that are coming into the earth now. Right. Uh, and I and I agree. And you know, one of the reasons I do the podcast is just to get – this message out and also to spread knowledge to people. Um, mm -hmm. 
you know, like I don't tell people what to think or I don't really have an agenda or anything like that. But I do think that um, just the more ideas that people expose themselves to, yeah, just, just naturally the mind will open up on its own. I completely agree. It's ex- it's exposure. And in our alternative media, I mean, we are exposing people to a lot of, you know, beautiful stuff, um, you know, and, and, you know, but, you know, with freedom of speech, you know, there comes that other element too. there, there, there comes, you know, David Icke and his dragons and, his Bilderbergs and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So, you know, we, one must be discerning, but discerning, but there's an awful lot of positivity out there. An yeah. awful lot. You know, I, I talk, you know, I'm sure you can imagine, you know, I, I guest on an awful lot of shows and that represents an awful lot of people who are listening and open and a awful lot of dedicated people who are hosting who don't make two cents from what they're doing but are but are you know compelled to do it so there's there is definitely definitely stuff happening absolutely and i'm glad that you're doing all these interviews well thank you thank you gary and i i hope that uh you know i can come back and visit you uh, again and Anytime. i feel like we i feel like we just uh, scratched the surface of um you know stuff that we could talk about but uh thank you for all that you do to open people's minds it's it's essential thank you this my is pleasure. great this is an awesome interview before we wrap it up where can my listeners find you and find your book Okay. Well, I am eminently findable. And actually, the best thing to do if you're in the if you're in North America, or whatever is to is to text me or call me on my mobile, which is always open and it's confidential. And that number is 416-454-8041. And I will always get back within 24 hours for sure so if it's if you just want to talk about these things if you're not sure you've had an experience but something's some kind of high strangeness thing happened whatever it is i'm always available and if you'd like to email me you can do so at leslie l-e-s-l-e-y at lightworkhypnosis.com and that's all one word all lowercase. And uh, my book is available on Amazon.com. And it's called um, Intersections, A True Story of Extraterrestrial Contact. And uh, it's it's a book that I wrote along with uh, one of my clients, Wes Roberts, who's an experiencer. And it's all about his journey from the first time he came to me. So it's it's really takes the reader inside the experience well yeah the experience of an experiencer as he mm-hmm. you know goes through hypnosis sessions and reveals certain things so i think it's something that your listeners would be you know would be really interested in oh so, absolutely they'll love it i'm sure thank you thank you so much this was great and um yeah it just it was great talking to you i really enjoyed this interview thank so you gary fun. thank you so much I had and a great time me- do me a favor, go on down there and have some good Alabama fried chicken for me because I can't get there. <laughs> so just think of me. I would love to be there. Um, 
I actually love the South. I do, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's not the culture that I'm from, but I really enjoy it uh, when I'm down there and I find the people to be very warm and in general and, you know, don't believe all these things that you hear about rednecks and all that. Most of the people <laughs> in the South are very soulful, hardworking people and accepting people. I believe that. I yeah. do. And we yeah. have really good shrimp. Oh, the shrimp. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, shrimp yes, that will yes. just blow your mind. Well, they're not even shrimp. They're beyond. They're more like uh, what's uh, prawns or something. They're yeah, yeah they're crazy good. Yeah. yeah. All them. right. We'll have some of those too. <laughs> 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 and someday I'll take you out for lunch there. I promise. I'll be down there at some conference or something, and and we'll experience that firsthand together. That sounds like fun. Awesome. Perfect. Well, and I will post the links um, to your book in the notes to this episode too so my listeners can pick it up oh thank you so much gary i really appreciate it thanks so much thank you hang on one second i just have to play the outro okie dokie thank you for listening to everything imaginable on kgra radio you can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you love what you listen to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.